is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Wednesday, August 16th, 2023. And today will be better than yesterday. Working from the Bristol area, Taylor, Sarah, Bruce, I'm Buster only working from upstate New York on vacation. And guys, uh, thanks for filling in uh, with Sarah Langs on Monday's podcast. It sounds like you guys had fun. Yeah, it was a great time. I love Sarah Lang's podcast takeovers. She's just like such a ray of sunshine. So, you know, I hope you guys are having fun on vacation. And if you ever want to take another one, that's fine too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I might be taking you up on that. I'm driving back across the country with my dog, Quinny, next week. Uh, So maybe maybe Monday, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Tell me a highlight from Sarah's podcast that jumped out to you guys. I loved her top three stories personally, and hearing her talk with uh, Natalie was amazing, and their conversation was so cool and insightful, and that was Natalie's first podcast, and she crushed it, so big, big wins all around. I'm jealous about that one because, you know, I've told you guys, I grew up as a huge Dodger fan, and Fernando Mania was right up my Mm -hmm. alley. Uh, you know, I was 17 years old when Fernando had that amazing start to his 1981 season. You know, at that time, the, the games weren't on television every night. And you know, you'd pick up the newspaper, you'd listen to the radio the following morning, like, did he do it again? Did he do it again? It would be like Dodgers two, Phillies none on the line score. You're like, oh, my God, he just keeps rolling here. And the excitement level definitely remind me of Jeremy Lin when he had that absolute burst of time uh, with the Knicks and with Otani in terms of like the excitement level around every time this player pitched. So, uh, you know, I appreciate Natalie jumping on and talking about that. I wish I could have been a part of that, though. I wish I had had that idea uh, for doing that. You know, know, you're missing out over there. Yeah, no kidding. So I, I'm dying to get back to talk about baseball today. All right, a crazy game with the Seattle Mariners last night. They faced the Kansas City Royals. They're in Kansas City, and they built a huge lead. Rojas. Swing and a well-hit ball deep down the right field line. Stay fair. It is goodbye baseball. Josh Rojas with his first home run of the year. His first home run is a Seattle Mariner. It's a two-run shot. And the Mariners now lead by a score of 7 to nothing here in the top of the fourth inning. For the Mariners, their fourth home run of the inning. That from Seattle Sports 710 AM. How about those angry Royals fans? I've never heard Royals fans that angry. You want to play that again? Listen for the booing in the background. And the Mariners now lead by a score of seven to nothing here in the oh, top that. of the fourth inning. Phil, am I wrong? Have you ever heard Royals fans that mad? <laughs> oh, it's kind of hilarious. I mean, you gotta admire their passion. You know, they're... Yeah, when did Royals fans become Yankee fans, though? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Well, you know what? Especially, they've had stuff to cheer about lately, uh, courtesy of Bobby Witt Jr., who did it again last night. And the pitch, and a swing, and a ball well hit. Deep left center, way back, and gone! Another grand slam for Bobby Witt Jr. He does it again, and the Royals are within two. It's 7-5. to yeah, he's been going crazy. That sound from 610 KCSP. The Royals would tie the score eight all. They would play to the 10th inning, and this happened. Here's the pitch. Swung on. Line drive. Base hit center field. Here comes Marlowe around third base. Caballero screaming home. He'll score. Tie France. Clutch coming through. The Mariners lead 10-8 in extra innings. Big time tie France. 
uh, that would be the final score for a team that's in the American League wildcard chase and needs win these days. Another team on the edge, the outer edge of the wildcard chase, the Angels faced the Rangers last night, and Corey Seager did them wrong. First pitch to Seager, he swings, it's a high fly ball to right field. Renfro turns, he watches, that one, long gone. A majestic home run off the bat of Corey Seager that touched the moon. That from 105.3, the fan, he had two homers in the game in the Rangers' 7-3 victory. The Red Sox, the Nationals in Washington, and the Red Sox would take the lead in the top of the fourth. And the pitch is to the backstop coming home. Reyes head first slide. He is in there ahead of the tag of the catcher Ruiz. Lightning bolt Pablo Reyes on a wild pitch. And the Red Sox lead it 5-4. to four. And that would be the final score, 5-4. to four. That from WEI 93.7 FM. The Yankees have been struggling so badly of late. They got blown out on Monday and felt like on Tuesday it was over before it began. And this is a drive to center field. Man just lit him up again to the wall. Bader, that is gone. Three-run home run on the first inning. Rampage continues. Straight away center homer number 24 for Marcelo Zuna. That from Luis, or off Luis Severino. That from 680, the fan. The Braves win that game 5 to nothing. We're going to be hearing from Aaron Boone. Later in the podcast, the Blue Jays faced the Phillies. The score was tied one all, bottom of the eighth inning. The Blue Jays had the bases loaded. The pitch. And it hit him. Struck Biggio on the front foot, and the Blue Jays have their first lead of the game. Biggio almost chuckling down the first baseline. He's been hit in the foot by a pitch in back-to-back games. And they would hold on to win. Jason Romano getting his first save since coming off the injured list from Sportsnet 590, the fan. At the end of action on Tuesday, the American League wildcard race looks like this. The Rays are four and a half games ahead. The Astros in the five seed, two and a half games behind the Rays. The Blue Jays are holding down the sixth spot, two games ahead of the Mariners. I got some strong feelings about the Blue Jays that we'll be talking about in a bit. Uh, The Blue Jays. Three games ahead of the Red Sox, six and a half games ahead of the Yankees, eight ahead of the Angels. The Rays, of course, having all kinds of issues. Uh, they are, the, as we mentioned, the number one wildcard team right now, but they placed shortstop Wander Franco on the restricted list amid ML, the MLB investigation. The move comes after social media posts question the alleged nature of a relationship between Franco and a younger woman, this is sources telling Jeff Passan, the media office of the Attorney General in Dominican Republic, where Franco grew up, told the Associated Press in a statement, there are, quote, investigations regarding the matter that are ongoing. The Rays also made it a formality that Shane McClanahan is going to miss the rest of the year because he needs Tommy John surgery. And they lost outfielder Manny Margot, who's set to have surgery today and will miss up to a month. Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. Get great deals on the hottest tickets. Experience it live. Last night, the Astros faced the Marlins, who are trying to be a National League wildcard team, and Kyle Tucker got a big hit. And they missed it. This one's driven to right field. Good wood, good night. Upper deck shot to right field. Six to five Astros on the blast from Tucker. And that's his 23rd of the season. 
Matt from Sparksy, Steve Sparks, KBME, 790 AM. The Cubs faced the White Sox, and the score was tied top of the seventh inning when this happened. Gomes is set. Here's the pitch by Merriweather. Robert goes deep to left. This ball is gone. Four to three. White Sox take the lead on Luis Robert Jr.'s 32nd of his all-star season. That from ESPN 1000, the White Sox win 5-3. to three. The Guardians face the Reds, both those teams trying to climb into the playoff race. And Cole Calhoun got the Guardians start at the top of the first. Calhoun takes the swing, lines one to left. That'll be a base hit near the line. That'll score Quan and Ramirez. Steer will throw towards second. And Cole Calhoun comes through again. What a job he has done in eight games with Cleveland batting 300. And he now has five RBIs as he lines a two-run single the other way down that left field line to put Cleveland on top early. And that would be enough for the Guardians who win this game 3-0. That, of course, was Tom Hamilton on WTAM 1100. The Orioles in first place in the American League East face the Padres, and they got blown out early. One and one to Sanchez. Here's the pitch. And that's it in the air to right field. Santander's going back. He's at the wall. This one, gonna go! First grand slam of the season for the Padres comes on August 15th. It comes off the bat of Gary Sanchez. And the Padres have a 5-0 lead in the first. That from 97.3, the fan, San Diego wins 10-3. Dodgers, who are rolling, face the Brewers. And Kike Hernandez came through in the bottom of the sixth. The 2-2 ground ball into center field for a base hit. Here comes Muncie, and here comes Martinez. Kike Hernandez with a two-RBI single to center, and the Dodgers take a 4-1 lead. That was Charlie Steiner, AM 570 LA Sports. Final score there, 6-2. When the Giants faced the Rays, it was scoreless. Bottom of the sixth inning until this happened. Now there's a swing. There's a high drive deep to left field. Way back there, still going. Adios! Pelota! Over the cars, into the tunnel, and the Giants have gone ahead 1-0. The Giants were on their way to a 7-0 victory that John Miller on KNBR. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, the College Game Day podcast is rolling with conference previews. We've done the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the Big 12. They're all really good episodes. I enjoyed producing them. I think people are enjoying listening to them, especially the Big Ten one. Lots of people watching that on YouTube. You can also listen to those shows wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes. The clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof. 
Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Welcome to the show! Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, mate. Welcome to the show. Whoa! Welcome to the show, baby. You're in the show with David Schoenfield. David Schoenfield, of course, covers baseball for ESPN. Dave, how you doing? I'm good, Buster. Uh, much better than New York Yankees. I got to admit, I'm getting texts from some Yankee hater friends of mine, and boy, are they enjoying this slide. Not to pick on the Yankees, but you know, there's a lot of us who maybe are rooting for them to not only miss the playoffs, but finish under 500. Yeah, I'm getting texts from Yankee hater friends, and I'm getting texts from Yankee uh, fan friends who are wondering what the heck is going on because the idea that the Yankees potentially could have their first losing season since 1992 is mind-boggling. And I'm going to get to that first, but I got a question for you. Have you ever had any person or anything named for you? (laughs) Well, concerned my name is Dave or David, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, I will say a, a lot of busters, a lot of dogs and cats for me. In fact, That's true. Uh, I have a yep. cousin, uh, Amy, who just named her new dog Buster. And I, I haven't pinned this down, but I think it was in some reference to me. I don't know that for sure. I When, uh, when I worked in San Diego, there was a big baseball fan who would read the San Diego Union uh, who worked at the San Diego Zoo, and they named two uh, uh, two cans at the zoo. One was named Buster, and the other was named Only, and that was really <laughs> cute. But a lot of animals, no people, named for me. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, hey, I don't even have a fish named Dave in my honor. So, uh, you know, where you needs to do pride, that, <laughs> you know, somebody needs to do that for you. All right. We know that. Uh, and the reason why this is relevant is because, of course, Mookie Betts, his social media post yesterday explaining what happened to him when he hit a recent home run. Give a listen to Mookie. What's going on, guys? I just uh, something pretty neat happened. And I wanted to share this story. So back a couple of weeks ago, I was on deck and this guy was started talking to me. And he said, Mook, if you hit a home run, I'll name my daughter, her middle name, Mookie. And I heard this and I, I laughed and he said he was serious. And so I turned around and told him, nah, don't do that, bro. Don't, don't do that. And he said, no, nah, I'm going to do it. And I said, your wife wouldn't like that, bro. Don't do that. He said, no, nah, I'm going to tell her. So... I think he's, he may have been on the phone with her. So then that at bat is when I hit, I think the first home run I've hit in my career. And so I circle the bases, come back um, and give him a fist bump. There's a little video of, of it. I thought it was super cool. And then like a couple weeks later, I see on Twitter, the birth certificate for Francesca Mookie Mancuso. Shout out to you, Giuseppe. Uh, I can't wait to meet Francesca. And uh, that's going to be my girl. That's going to be my girl. So I thought that was pretty neat. Y'all go follow follow Little Ragu 54. Um, Again, shout out to you, Giuseppe. 
How cool is that, Dave? Uh, I love Mookie. I mean, it says so much about Mookie. Everything from the beginning to the end. You know, I, you know, Mookie is someone who is generally speaking, I think, is relatively a private person. Yeah. Uh, and I remember during the 2018 World Series, a story broke that what he had a habit of doing when he was with the Red Sox was at the end when he left the clubhouses at night, he often would take the leftover food from the players' spread. And he would drop it off uh, to folks who are homeless. And, you know, he would do that. And I remember when that story broke, going up to him the next day, I was doing the pregame interview for ESPN radio. And the discomfort in his eyes that I found out about that was just apparent. Like he was like, no, I don't want any publicity about this. He was just being a nice person. So for him, the first reaction, uh, you know, to, uh, to be, Hey, I don't know if your wife is going to like that. I thought that was really cool. Like you better double check before you make that promise. But then to hear the utter joy in his face that this little girl is named for him. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Just a great moment to lift everyone's spirits a little. And even Mookie, not one to brag about his abilities. He kind of threw in there. Oh yeah. It was maybe the longest home run I ever hit. So I enjoyed that he threw that in there. You're right. You know, we all love Mookie. Just now we have another reason to love him even more. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Taylor, Sarah, you guys want to throw in here kind of a human moment for Mookie Betts. What a guy. I mean, what a season he's having. I mean, he's in the, the NL MVP hunt. He did the the home run derby, you know, on his wife's advice, too. I mean, we peeled back that layer of him. You know, yeah. but, I mean, now he's 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 getting babies named after him. I love that guy. Sarah, he seems just like such a nice guy and no better person to be named after than Mookie Bet. So that's kind of awesome for Francesca. <laughs> Taylor, Sarah, what about you guys? You know, is your name been borrowed as a, you know, as an aunt, as a, as a friend, friend, a godfather, that sort of thing? Taylor, I know you you've officiated weddings. Have you been named? Has your name been used? Here's this is kind of awkward. Uh, so I have a second cousin who um, had her second child, her and her husband, and uh, the first time I met them. So my my name Taylor. My brother's name is Christian. And we met her second child and she was like, oh, this is Christian Taylor so-and-so. And like wow. didn't acknowledge that those are that's my name and my brother's name. Just like kept it moving. Uh, it was it was very awkward. Has not been acknowledged to this day. But, uh, you know, I don't not directly named after me. But there is someone in my family that has a shared name with me and my brother. Well, is have, did you were able to confirm that it was actually related to you, or is it just family names that were passed down in combination? And is it was coincidence that it was you and your brother? I think it was just they liked the names, but like you know, they are second cousins. We don't see them a lot, but I mean, I don't know how they could have forgotten that. And, and in the conversation, it didn't come up. Like we were like, "Oh, those are great names," and they're like, "Oh yeah, like those are your names," but like not. It was it was a little awkward, and it's awkward now that I'm thinking about it again. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of wish I didn't bring it up. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? Not yet, but there's time. My friends and family are more than welcome to name their child after me. <laughs> well, and here's a question, Sarah. If you wind up having kids at some point, is there a chance that uh, there's going to be a Taylor Swift borrow? Uh, you know, you're going to borrow either one of those names. Um, probably not. But I like the idea of naming my. Oh no child after maybe Harry Styles. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going to be the one when you're 90 explaining to your great grandkids 
uh, why his name is, uh, you know, uh, Giuseppe uh, Styles uh, Abbott, right? It's going to be one of those <laughs> sort of situations. Yes, definitely. Very nice. All right. Uh, I mentioned we'll talk about the Yankees. Another lost night for them. They get blown out again by the Braves. What has been shocking to me, uh, Dave, not necessarily that they're staying in the that they're not staying in the playoff race, is that now that it's almost like they're not competitive. Here is Aaron Boone talking after the game about his team's offensive performance. Not good enough, you know. I mean, you know, DJ squared up a ball for the base hit up the middle. Judgey walked a couple. You know, we had a couple walks in there, but he just kept putting us on the ground, generating soft contact, and we just it just wasn't flat. Not good enough. They are 12 and 22 since July 4th. Their chances of making the playoffs, according to Fangraphs, at 3.2 percent. Uh, first off, before we dive into this, Taylor, are you ready to to, to declare the uh, the Yankees dead? <laughs> I think so, man. It's been it's been a rough watch. Uh, who did I, I mean? I watched the end of that Marlins game uh, over the weekend. Uh, you know, I watched yeah. uh, Michael Kay's call so many times. Uh, you know, he was he's. When Michael Kay is expressly disappointed on the broadcast, you know it's it's bad. Yeah, it's absolutely. What about you, Dave? You ready to declare them dead? Yeah, these, yeah, these last three games, right? Sunday was that horrific loss to the Marlins. Then these two just pathetic games against the Braves. Uh, I mean, why is Luis Severino still being run out there? I mean, his last five starts. Four innings, five runs, two innings, four runs, four innings, five runs, three and a third, nine runs. I mean, I know a couple starts ago he declared himself the worst pitcher in baseball. He was a little better, I guess, last night, but no other options I get. And, and he's not even the biggest problem. Their offense is, a, is you know, unbelievably bad right now. They're just, they're just a bad baseball team right now. Look, and they have been a model stability uh, over the last three decades. I know there are going to be Yankee fans who are not going to want to hear that. But, of course, you know, they win the championships with the dynasty. Uh, they're in the World Series in 2003. They win the World Series in 2009. They're in the playoffs most years. But now, you know, potentially the first losing team in Brian Cashman's tenure as general manager, which began in February of 1998. Uh, and I have to believe that at the very least, this winter is going to be about getting younger, getting more athletic, and there are going to be open questions going into this offseason about what's going to happen with Aaron Boone. I don't think there's any chance that Brian Cashman is uh, you know, going to be fired. He's in year one of a four-year deal. But, man, so the uh, social media response to the Yankees right now, the New York Talk Radio response is so loud. It's the loudest that I've ever seen it. Yeah. What do you anticipate? Yeah, I mean, look. I've thought Aaron Boone through the years has done a good job. And I think sometimes Yankees fans have been a little harsh on him, but this is unacceptable. And is it his fault? No, he's not out there hitting. He's not out there pitching, but I think there's going to be a fall guy. When you have a season that's probably going to end as poorly as this one changes will be made. And sometimes, you know, Buster, Teams just want a new voice, and maybe that's what the Yankees need right now in the managerial spot. Yeah, we've talked about how Aaron Boone is the best mimic of anybody in baseball. You know, he's got my mannerisms down. He's got Laz Diaz's <laughs> mannerisms down uh, because he watches us closely. I, yeah, be, Having been a friend of Booney for a long time, having worked with him, I know his mannerisms. 
And to hear him speak to reporters after the game on Monday, it just felt like he didn't have answers. Taylor, go ahead and play that. Everyone's different. I used to throw my helmet. Some guys throw their helmet. doesn't mean they care more than the guy that goes and sets his helmet down and is a pro. The care factor in that room is where it needs to be. Obviously, it's been a tough stretch, and we've been t- wearing it lately, but we're ready to compete every day, and that's that's the only thing you control. And somebody throwing their helmet or getting angry or fake emotion, being somebody they're not, that, that can be misleading too. Yeah, and at some point, uh, Dave, Hal Steinbrenner is going to have to you know, make a choice whether or not, because I don't think Brian Cashman will advise changing managers, because I, I think Brian – and how both believe in Aaron as a manager, but this is a case where, you know what, uh, they might have to, to throw Aaron Boone to the, to the mob uh, to be a sign of change, given what's gone on this year. So we'll have to just wait and see. Uh, the Seattle Mariners, you felt like uh, saved their season with that win last night, dramatic comeback? <laughs> well, I was watching the end of it. So, you know, the background, they lost to the Orioles in extra innings on, on both Saturday and Sunday. And then on Monday, Blew a ninth inning lead against the Royals. Last night, they're up 7-0 and then 8-5 into the bottom of the ninth. Andres Munoz, who's kind of scuffling right now, he blew that lead. They held tied it 8-8, but then they pulled it out with a win in the tenth. So, I mean, it would have been four losses in a row, all in the ninth inning or later. It would have just been an absolutely brutal defeat. Um, but they pulled it out, so I'm saying they saved their season buster, and they're still in that wild card race. What do you think of the changes that uh, Jerry Depoto made on the fly during the course of this year? Well, I know my Mariner friends, you know, were not happy when they traded away Paul Seawald, and we're seeing that. I mean, look, their bullpen, last time I checked, since the beginning of, of July, does have the best ERA in baseball, but... Uh, Munoz and Matt Brash, who both got bumped up a role, you know, after trading Seawall, they've been a little shaky. Munoz's velocity was down a couple miles per hour last night. I think his problem, he had some shoulder issues earlier in the year. He has trouble going back-to-back days or twice in three days. I think he threw 40 pitches last night, so I know we're not going to see him for probably three or four days just to give him a little rest. Um, So... I'm just a little worried about the bullpen depth. As good as it's been, um, they're getting pushed pretty hard right now. All right. Uh, as we move forward, I think you and I agree on this. Seattle, because of the strength their pitching staff, would be interesting if they make it into the playoffs. As of today, they would not be one of the playoff teams. But among the teams that are would qualify for the playoffs today, who would be your most dangerous wildcard teams that are out there? Yeah, well, I mean, look, certainly whoever finishes as the AL West runner-up, you know, which right now would be Houston, <laughs> you know, uh, obviously the Astros are are always going to be scary. But I know we've talked before, the Phillies, I would not want to play them again. And I know their offense still hasn't totally clicked, but, you know, they hit their low point. I think it was June 2nd I was just looking up. Since then, Buster, they have the second-best record in baseball behind the uh, the Braves. Uh, their pitching has really solidified. Obviously, Michael Lorenzen looks like a great pickup. He might be their number two starter if they make the playoffs right now behind Zach Wheeler. Um, so I would not want to play the Phillies, that's for sure. Uh, you know, another team I think is in that category, the Toronto Blue Jays. They yep. are, uh, what, uh, number one in baseball in staff ERA. 
They're number three in strikeouts. Their pitching staff, you know, depending on how Jordan Hicks is throwing and if he's throwing strikes, he's really dangerous. They expect to get Bo Bichette back sometime maybe on Friday. Uh, I would not be surprised if as they bring him back, they'll use him at DH a fair amount to, you know, to tend to his knee. They've got other guys who can catch the ball at shortstop. You know, offense has been an issue for them. But, man, that pitching staff in a short yep. series, potentially really dangerous. And they their core guys – it's not like the team a few years ago that flirted with making the playoffs. They've got some experience in that group now. Uh, you know, Kevin Kiermaier yeah. has been around forever. Uh, Brandon Belt has been around forever. Vladdy, Bo Bichette, uh, that group has been around. Kevin Gossman in a game one, you love that. Uh, I, I think that the Blue Jays are a really interesting team if we get to if they make it to October. Yeah, no doubt. You met some, mentioned the pitching. You say Kikuchi, who won last night. I just read he leads the majors, all of MLB, in number of starts allowing one run or fewer, 13. And I think that's 12 out of his last 14 starts. I think it's where he's allowed two runs or less. You know, he's real, he hasn't allowed a home run in six straight starts. Uh, like, he's not going deep into games. He's a five- or six-inning guy. But, you know, if he's kind of that number three starter for the playoffs, you know, he's really pitching well right now. We talked about the the deals that uh, Jerry Depoto made leading up the trade deadline. I think maybe the team that did the best in augmenting their roster going into the trade deadline, the Los Angeles Dodgers. It feels like with Kike Hernandez and Med Rosario, some of the pitching they added, Lance Lynn, man, the Dodgers look like a different team to me than they did before all that. Yeah, and it really gives Dave Roberts flexibility. We saw that last night because they were so – left-handed heavy in the lineup where they can bring in Hernandez and Rosario in the middle of games to counteract any lefty relievers. And Lance Lynn, I remember talking with uh, our colleague Brad Doolittle, who lives in Chicago, and he was like, I have a feeling the Dodgers are going to figure out something with Lance Lynn that the White Sox weren't able to do this year. And so far, he looks good. Look, the guy's been a quality pitcher, so it's not surprising that the Dodgers have figured something out. He really was struggling in the first inning with the White Sox, got hammered a lot. And whatever those changes have been, it looks like they've taken so far. Well, and a lot of that, too, let's face it, probably was, uh, you know, for adjustments for Lance Lynn is about uh, a different context. You know, here yeah. he is, a veteran pitcher who's played on winning teams the past, He's demonstrated that he really cares about winning. What was happening with the was with the White Sox was a disaster. I've heard that there was a text chain among the players uh, with the White Sox, and you know he was in the middle of that where <laughs> they're all you know commenting on what's going on with the team. And now he goes to the Dodgers, a team that has a lot of success, and he, he's that, he's got to take off from that point. Yeah, no doubt. And it's as always. Sometimes you just need that change of scenery. Um, a new catcher, you know, you change your pitch mix a little bit, uh, more confidence in, in your defense behind you, you know, and again, this guy's been a good pitcher, so I'm not surprised. All right. Uh, I did a piece that came out over the weekend about the New York Mets and their season that's a, that's a disaster. I talked a little bit about this with Ravi last week. I would say that what Max Scherzer conveyed to reporters uh, about, you know, the Mets plans going forward, it definitely does not match up with what I've heard from folks within the Mets organization. The idea that they're taking a step back in 2024, 
that is not at all what I heard. Like they felt like, look, yeah, has this year been disappointing? Will we be as dynamic on paper as we were going into 2023? No, but are we punting on 2024? Absolutely not, which makes sense to me. If you're Cohen and you have on your team, you know, Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor and Jeff McNeil and Brandon Nimmo, you're not going to punt. You know, Edwin Diaz coming back to lead their bullpen. I think they're going to be looking for value signings that rotation. Yeah, you can't punt a season when you have the core of your offensive lineup. You know, all those guys you name, they're almost all 30 or older, you know. So, what, you're going to wait two years to make a run with those guys? No way. You're going to go for it next year. The Mets have the money. I know they're not going to probably run a, you know, $350 million payroll again, plus taxes. Uh, I mean, my question for you, Buster, though, are they going to be in on the Otani sweepstakes? Because Steve Cohen has the money to throw his way if he wants. Yeah, I think they absolutely will be in on it. Uh, you know, he's going to want to at least know what the price is and what it, what's yeah. it going to take to get a deal done, which I'm sure, you know, Billy Epler probably in negotiating with the uh, Otanis or if it's David Stearns, in fact, takes over baseball ops. You know, they'll, they're going to ask the question of uh, Otani's representative. Hey, what's it going to take to get this done? Cohen is going to want to know that number. Uh, I'm sure, uh, as you know, people around baseball are speculating all over the place that Otani is going to want to stay in a West Coast team in a place that's warmer. Is that the case? I don't know. We'll find out when he hits free agency. But yeah, I do think that they'll at least check in on that. Uh, I haven't talked to anybody recently who thinks that he's going to wind up with the Yankees, the Mets, the Red Sox, the Phillies, you know, teams in the Northeast corridor. Last one before you go. Uh, the Wander Franco situation with the race. We don't have all the information. We don't know what's going to happen. We know that he's been taken off the field. Uh, I think the Rays are one organization that no matter who it is, whether it's guy at the front of that rotation, starting shortstop leader and wins above replacement, they're used to filling in and plugging in around the gaps. Yeah, Buster, I think there's two issues here. One, how are they going to handle shortstop? Uh, they just called up a rookie because, as you said, they always have somebody. We're going to hopefully get this pronunciation correct. Oslavis Basabe, 22-year-old, pretty good numbers at AAA, not a lot of power, but was hitting for average. Um, so, you know, he's right in the pressure cooker. But two, you know, after that hot start in April, they haven't really been all that great for, you know, two months now. So they were kind of – scuffling before this situation developed. And now we know for sure Shane McClanahan out for the rest of the year, undergoing Tommy John. So their rotation is, you know, how are they going to get through the season with so many injuries in that rotation? That's my issue. I know they pull pitchers out of thin air, but at some point, you just can't keep doing that, and your depth is so tested. So I think they're still going to squeeze in and win a wild card, um, but they don't look like a team that's going to make a deep run right now. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if they can get a couple of hot starting pitchers going into the uh, into the postseason, assuming that they actually make it there. All right, Dave, thanks for doing this, and I hope, uh, you know, sometime soon you get some sort of uh, critter or person name for you. (laughs) Thanks, Buster. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? 
Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code baseball. That's code baseball. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Dogs are an important part of our lives and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Bleacher Tweets. Already Buster Bleacher Tweets for a Wednesday. And, okay, uh, before yeah. we get started, though, I, want, I you know, with the Bleacher Tweets, uh, since I spoke with you last, we had a resolution on the Kevin Brown situation. He put out a statement, correct? Yes, very hostage-y statement, unfortunately. But it seems, I think for him, he probably just wants to move on from all this. And that's what we said last week on the podcast, I think last Wednesday, um, that this is probably kind of embarrassing for him, and he just wants to go about his day, uh, honestly. Yeah, he just wants to focus on his work, which is all right. that he's ever done. I sent out a tweet. I don't remember this, Taylor, but I, I asked the question last early last week, like, how will this be resolved? Mm-hmm. Uh, will it be an ownership mea culpa uh, with John Angelus coming out and saying, boy, I totally screwed this up. Two, would it be a misunderstanding, quote, unquote? <laughs> uh, and I can't even remember the third one. Uh, but I, I, we knew as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, it was a misunderstanding, I yep. guess. Yep. I mean, it really would have been better if John Angelus came out and owned this. And as I, as I said last week, man, what an opportunity that's missed. Like, if you want to recast yourself with Orioles fans, you, you could have just come out and said, yeah, I blew it. And people yeah. we've seen that with Trey Turner. We've seen it with Alec Bohm. People, fans love it. When the people that they they follow that they root for come out and own their crap. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, especially this season, he's had so many. I mean, you said it best, Buster. We were texting about it. He said John Angelus was born with a rake on his foot. And, uh, you know, because he's he keeps stepping in it and he can't just own it. I mean, people would really love to just, you know, to, to think positively of him. And I, and I wonder, like. Why doesn't he want people to think positively of him? And I and my only thought is like when you are that rich and you have like you own a friggin baseball team, uh, like these sorts of things don't really affect you. And you can kind of just do this sort of thing, like tell your minions like, hey, type up this statement and we're going to push it out and and everyone's going to move on, which, you know, I think we kind of have to at this point. But I also said last week on the podcast that this is the free pickle, uh, you know, next to your cheeseburger, because we find out that, you know, he's holding the state up there. The state's trying to give him $600 million to, uh, for the stadium to sign a new lease. He wants $300 million more. What are we doing? 
Yeah. Uh, like how ungrateful. I mean, like it's it's mind boggling uh, the way he's behaving right now. I mean, most uh, can you think of an owner that would thumb their nose at a free six hundred million dollars or any business well, owner, really? Yeah. And I don't know the particulars of that situation, but I would mm. say this in general in regards to Kevin Brown situation. We all need someone in our lives to tell us when we're full of crap. You know, I was <laughs> yeah. just talking yeah. with uh, with my sister. You know, I'm on vacation with all my siblings right now. And we're talking about this incredibly pointed, nasty letter that my mom wrote me when I acted like a butthead when I was 20. And, <laughs> you know, it hurt to read it. And you're mad in the moment. And then you realize, you know what, she's right. And, and you, you process that and go forward. And I wonder if John listens to people because it's not only about someone giving you the advice but it's about listening to the advice if someone has you know his ear where they can say hey dude you know what you'd be better off uh you'd be better off if uh you you handle you handle this in a way you owned it because again what an opportunity it's not only about uh, addressing the situation but it's also about sort of rebranding recasting going forward anyway we talked a lot about it i did want to address it because we talked about uh I did want to talk about the resolution today because we did talk about the run up to that all last week. A little more uh, AL East chatter here, just just for me. What do, what do you think about the potential of the Rays tumbling out of the the wild card picture? Like, do you is that conceivable to you right now? No, no. They you know they've got a sizable lead, and the other thing too is that you know look at the teams that are chasing them. We're not mm-hmm. talking about the twenty seven Yankees. You know, we always look at. Uh, you know, the the teams that are like seven, eight, nine seeds is being incredibly mortal teams. You know, mm-hmm. there's yeah. a lot of mediocrity yeah. right now at the back end of the American League wild card chase. I mean, who's going to catch them? The Yankees? I, I well, bless their hearts, but but the Red Sox, uh, you know, at least they have a sweat right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, I love that's the, a competition. the line, uh, and I think it was Dave O'Brien who you know talked about a throw Trevor Story made last night, where he essentially said, in so many words, I'm paraphrasing here. That's a throw the first three months of this season that never would have been made. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Sale is it's due back any day now. He's going to change the team. He might be back. I have no idea. Um, okay. All right. Let's go to the tweets here. PK Steinberg, which NL Central manager named David has the better shot for manager of the year, Bell or Ross? You know, PK, how it is with the writers. It's all very bottom line. Whoever makes the playoffs, and only one of those teams I think would make the playoffs in all likelihood uh, you know, they would they would have a shot. I do wonder, you know, with the, the Braves playing so well, if Brian Sitker is going to have an opportunity where people say, boy, the, the Braves will do that. Um, you know, we, we talk so much about the Diamondbacks, Tori Lovello, a uh, friend of the pod. I think he would have won if they had made it, but they've kind of faded away. It all comes down to that equation. Which team that we expected to do badly does the best? I think Skip Schumacher. If the Marlins make the playoffs, Mm -hmm. friend of the pod, Skip Schumacher, I think he's going to be manager of the year. Very interesting. Those Braves, man. The hurt and they put on the Mets this weekend. I I just kept adding up the the, the totals there. Sorry, Bruce. Tough look. Matt Hempner is next. At Matt the Stud, he writes in, Ums checking pitchers after each inning is still so weird to me. What if Major League Baseball were to create official watchdog positions assigned to each team where the one job is to report any rule-breaking regarding foreign substances to umpires? Yeah, I think they need to, to tweak and continue to tweak and address it. And remember, at the end of last season, we went into the postseason, all the spin rates were going crazy. Uh, and, and that carried into the postseason. We had that situation where Joe Musgrove was checked 
you know, during the Padres and Mets playoff game, there were private accusations about other pitchers that were in the postseason. I really hope that uh, that all of that, they continue to take that seriously because I think Major League Baseball let it get away from them as we went into last year's postseason. Camp Drew writes in, Buster, are teams these days forgetting the value of veteran presence and good leadership, whether it's the White Sox in Chicago or the Yankees missing Gardner and CC, and now the Tampa Bay Rays situation? It seems like big problems keep popping up for younger players. Uh, you know, I do think that it, that can can be a thing. Uh, you know, you hear some more details about the White Sox situation. And yeah, someone needed, like I referenced a text chain that was among players. Someone needed to step in and say, hey, guys, you know what? Better to do this in person together at the ballpark than, uh, you know, than to have this hanging out there among the players. Uh, I know this, Alex Anthopoulos, who is the general manager, head of baseball ops for the best team in baseball, the Atlanta Braves. He will tell you. And he's, he's told this on the podcast before that when he was took over the Toronto Blue Jays, he didn't really believe in clubhouse chemistry at all. And then he talked to Mark DeRosa and others about the importance of it. And now he's all buy-in. And oh, by the way, what team is viewed as having maybe the best culture in baseball? The Atlanta Braves. The Braves. Let's yeah. go to Corey Rukert. Last one for today. Corey R underscore 12 writes and let's talk scheduling. Am I the only one noticing some Thursdays are ghost town for games? Major League Baseball needs to do a better job spreading the days off while on the subject. Every single team should play on opening day, Memorial Day and Fourth of July. It's funny because last week when I was uh, I was talking to Sarah Langs on Thursday, I said, I hope you enjoyed your day games because this night slate is a disaster right now. And uh, yeah, he's he's got a point. Yeah, and I think as we – yeah, and every year, here's the bottom line. There's going to be complaints about the schedule no matter what they do. (laughs) That's just a simple fact. They'll never get it exactly uh, the way they want to because they have all these complicating factors that they have to deal with. Yeah, that holiday thing, though, has always been one that I just don't understand. Mm -hmm. Like, we got Labor Day coming up. I haven't even looked at the schedule. I would assume – there are some teams not playing on Labor Day, and I just won't get it. All righty. That's it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter while you're watching games. We will be back on Friday. That's it for today. My thanks to Dave, Bruce, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.